You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Howard's Grove. And I've been to Howard's Grove before. I, I have not been there recently, so I don't think I've been there since the ESPN affiliate got taken to Howard's Grove. But, you know, just a little bit north of Sheboygan. Not too far out there. So shout out to all of our listeners in Howard's Grove. Uh, no Frank Madden with me today. Frank is, of course, the founder of BrewHoop.com and my good friend. But no Frank today. Just me. Uh, we are trying to power our way through this off season. trying to power our way to, you know, uh, uh, this just trying to get ourselves to the season, get ourselves to a time where there's a little bit more to talk about. And really, we aren't that far off. Uh, when you start to think about things, uh, the 24th will be media day. So I'm recording here on uh, the 13th at 11.55, so it's almost the 14th, so just about 10 days away, but that'll be two Mondays from now. But next Monday, uh, Bucks Golf Outing will be next Monday, so uh, we should have some fun some fun content for you there. Hopefully get to talk to a few players, hopefully get to talk to, uh, you know, John Horst, Coach Budenholzer. We'll, we'll see who we all get to talk to, so that'll be fun. Also, I will be out there for ESPN Milwaukee. I'll be with uh, Brian D. from 11 to 1 p.m. at the golf outing. So we will have some fun interviews live that day. If you miss any of those interviews and you want to catch some of those, 6 to 7 p.m. on Monday. Again, that will be ESPN Milwaukee, 5.40 a.m. in Milwaukee. You can also find the stream at ESPNWisconsin.com and you should also be able to catch some of those on a podcast uh, as that'll go into our pod. Some of those interviews will go into the pod center or at least the most interesting stuff from that day. So Bucks Golf Outing on Monday. Uh, To me, and again, uh, I'm someone who gets to go to the Bucks Golf Outing and talk to people, so to me, that always signals the beginning of the season. I know media day is typically what that is, but that's kind of the first little tease of of what the season's going to be like and, you know, what all of that, is, you know, just that the season's there. So that'll be uh, at the start of next week. So make sure that you're, one, listening to the pod, but also, two, listening to 540 ESPN in Milwaukee. Uh, we'll have all of that for you there. So should be a fun week. Should start to get into it couple things I wanted to talk about today. Uh, first is going to be uh, wrapping up the NBA rankings from Sports Illustrated, their top 100. We need to talk a little bit uh, about where Middleton ended up eventually and then where Giannis ended up eventually. Not too surprising, but wanted to talk about that. And then 
it's kind of a potpourri of some thoughts that I've just had bouncing around in my head, and I kind of want to talk to I kind of want to talk through them, and just, it's just stuff that I end up thinking about as the season goes on, and some of the stuff that I was thinking about as I watched NBA Rank or whatever you call it, Sports Illustrated Top 100. Like as you go through all of that, there's just there's a bunch of things that go through my head. I don't know if this is how other people's brains work, but, you know, as you start to read stuff, you think about how it may relate elsewhere and, you know, what it could all mean. So we'll talk through a bunch of that stuff. All right, let's get to the start of the Sports Illustrated Top 100 rankings, the stuff that we still need to clean up. Um, Chris Middleton at 28, uh, a little bit of a surprise. Um, Obviously, as I mentioned earlier this week, Rob and Ben are both huge Middleton fans. Always have been. I would assume they always will be. Uh, I can't imagine that that their uh, enjoyment of Chris Middleton's game is going to come to an end anytime soon. So it shouldn't come as all that much of a surprise. Um, but it is kind of interesting to think through uh, Frank and I did the exercise a while back. We uh, attempted to figure out where Middleton should be ranked. And, I mean, we kind of came to a consensus between the two of us that it was right around 35. And it, it was interesting to see a couple of people that went above them, that went below them. Um, but when you look at, you know, a, a couple of the guys behind him, so Chris Middleton at 28. Uh, when you go back from there, at 29 was Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was someone that we had put in front of Middleton. Uh, DeMar DeRozan at 30. Um, I believe DeMar DeRozan is someone that we said was about equal with him. I can't remember if we put him ahead or not, but someone right around there. Kevin Love at 31, that's someone we definitely put above Middleton. What we saw is someone who was that talented, who's had those those great individual seasons uh, that Ben and Rob ended up putting below him. Uh, Kemba Walker, 32, that was another guy that we said was kind of in the area with Middleton. Uh, Same thing with C.J. McCollum. And again, you look at Middleton, he's a little bit of of a bigger guy. He doesn't maybe have the defensive concerns that those two guys have. So I can see why Rob and Ben, who both prioritize those things, would put Middleton above them. One that kind of surprised me was Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell at 34. And I will say that they are conservative on their young player rankings, if that makes any sense, that they refuse to rank rookies. That's not something that they do. And then second-year guys, I think they do tend to be a little bit more conservative with them. So maybe that explains some of the Donovan Mitchell stuff, but he was definitely someone I had thought of as above Chris Middleton just because he is younger. He's shown he's shown a little bit more of that number one option stuff. And I know when you look at his efficiency, he's not quite uh, the the player that Chris Middleton is. And, you know, he does get hurt by that a little bit. But also he was a, a number one option on a team that their offense struggled at times last year. They might not have the best offense. And he was kind of uh, trying to keep them afloat and, you know, had to take some bad shots at, t- at times and was also a rookie. So uh, that was someone I put that we put up up above Middleton and decided against. So it's just kind of interesting to, to see how this all kind of got sorted out. But ultimately, um, I think what ends up happening here is 
there's always no matter what uh i think people are going to have a reaction about chris middleton and it's it's strange because chris middleton isn't it's kind of a I'm not kind of he is a quiet guy he is someone uh that kind of goes under the radar and then something like this happens where you know two guys in in Ben Golliver and Rob Mahoney who are I think very attuned analytically uh who are very cognizant of how well players play on each side of the ball like they are always looking for two-way players um you know they're they're thinking about how often guys are on the floor when you think through all of those things like chris middleton checks off a number of those boxes and uh, i would say and again i can't imagine rob or ben would be offended by this but both of them are you know kind of nerdy on the basketball nerd spectrum like if that if if we can kind of think through that and think about uh you know where these people would be seen um in how they would be perceived as as basketball minds they're going to be in the the nerdier the analytics the just just generally the nerdier side of things and it it's strange to think that because of that now there will be people that will say, well, Sports Illustrated ranked Chris Middleton at 28. He's overrated. Well, I don't know if that has anything to do... And I've got a number of these tweets that, oh, now Chris Middleton's overrated. And it's like, well, this is one ranking. And don't get me wrong, I respect the hell out of Ben and and, and Rob, and I think the world of both of their works. So... Yeah, like I, I do think this ranking means something, but now it'll be this strange backlash to Middleton being ranked 28. Well, if he's the 28th best player, he should be doing this or he should be doing that, and now he's overrated. I'm so tired of hearing people say he's underrated, now he's overrated, 28's too high. And it's like, well, that's what those basketball folks think. Like, I don't think the casual fan overrates Chris Middleton. In fact, I think the exact opposite. <laughs> and I've said this a number of times. I don't think the casual fan in any way overrates Chris Middleton. I think the casual fan underrates Chris Middleton. But in that, now you have me thinking the casual fans underrate Chris Middleton. You have the the basketball aristocracy overrating Chris Middleton, quote-unquote, in somehow he's a, a polarizing figure and he's not a polarizing figure to the extent someone like Nikola Jokic might be uh who I think is the ultimate of the the ultimate test of the basketball nerd casual fan kind of uh crossover stuff but Middleton is one of those guys now where no matter what somehow you're gonna have a take on Chris Middleton and <laughs> I mean, it's still Chris Middleton. It's still just like the quiet guy, the unassuming guy, low-profile guy. That is that is what Middleton is all about, and somehow he has managed to become a, a flashpoint for some basketball arguments. And I, I don't know, it's, it's just strange to think of that you can now articulate an opinion where 
you say that Chris Middleton is overrated, and I think you'd be totally fine doing it. I can probably understand uh, some of the reason that you would say because obviously Frank and I ranked Chris Middleton a little bit lower than 28. And then I think on the other end, you can have something where Chris Middleton is underrated because there's going to be a backlash to him being rated 28 and a number of people that don't really recognize that he did have the great season that he did last year. So I don't know. He Somehow someone that's low profile and not all that exciting um, will become someone that can be debated on both sides. And it's just, it's it's kind of crazy to think about. So I think that's all I got for Middleton at 28. A little bit higher than I would have him. Um, but at the same time, it's nice to see Middleton get some respect. And also you do have to keep in mind that Ben and Rob are ultimately guys that have been higher on Middleton throughout pretty much the entirety of his career. Like it, they are someone that's ranked him higher than I think a lot of people would have ranked him the last two years. Now that he had the huge year that he did last year, now this year they're a little bit higher as well. Um, but this one, maybe not a, as as high of a rating uh based on people's perceptions than the last two years so just sort of something interesting to think about uh, as we fill the time of this part of the year discussing rankings and trying to figure out uh, where players rank speaking of this obviously i end up having a ton of basketball conversations with people and we always end up talking through stuff and I'm generally curious what people think of these rankings uh, because, uh, I don't know, like I've, I've heard some people say in the last couple of weeks that, you know, these, or in the last week, I, excuse me, that these rankings are stupid because all it does is create arguments and like no one actually ends up talking through where these players may be and why one is ranked. Like you don't get actual... Um, smart intellectual discussion you just get you know angry fan bases screaming at other angry fan bases about why their player was disrespected and then ultimately you don't end up having a conversation and I mean to some extent that is what 2018 is all about is getting angry on the internet and yelling at other people that are also angry on the internet that that's a whole, that's a part of it, and maybe that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I've always found these rankings fascinating, and, and as I laid out the other day, especially the Sports Illustrated one, because I know how much time those two guys spend on it, and how obsessive they are about this process. And and I do think it can kind of lead to some interesting conversations because this is basketball viewed through their prism, um, and how they believe good basketball should be played or, you know, how good basketball players should be ranked and what makes a good basketball player. In some ways, that is their thoughts. And I always feel like I end up having pretty solid conversations about this, uh, that I do end up, you know, seeing what other people are thinking, which is always helpful. Like, you get a, a more varied perspective of other people's opinions and you get a greater idea of why people think the way that they think and I find that ends up being helpful but I have had other people say that they end up hating this conversation because it's just people that 
you know, are getting angry. And I'm trying to think of different reasons why. And I think maybe to some extent is I don't tend to converse with a ton of people. Um, it's not like a, like I'm not in a group chat with 29 other people that covered the other 29 teams and they get we aren't all arguing about these rankings like you know i just kind of talk to the people uh that end up you know wanting bucks content or are bucks fans like those are the people i end up having these conversations with and it's very interesting for me to see what bucks fans are thinking and kind of think through all of that from a, a pretty, I don't want to say a purely Bucks perspective, but certainly a Bucks slanted perspective, and I always find it kind of interesting, and I don't know if, you know, having 29 different perspectives would make it more interesting, if it would make it more difficult, but I was surprised how many people told me that, you know, these rankings end up just being a, a bunch of arguments for them, and I don't know. It, it wasn't something I expected. So I am curious if you want to let me know in tweets how these rankings end up, uh, how you end up taking in these rankings and how you end up feeling about these rankings because I, I find them very interesting. It makes me think about the game and what people are looking for in quality players and you know what you should be looking for as you're trying to build the team, all those different things. I end up thinking about those a lot. And I don't know if it does the same thing for other people. So I'd be curious what you guys think. All right, now to the Giannis ranking. Frank and I pretty much hit this one. Uh, as we went through exactly where we thought Giannis would be, we mentioned the fact that there was probably, I mean, not probably, there was no chance that he was going to get ranked above LeBron James. No way that he was going to beat Kevin Durant. No way that he was going to beat Steph Curry. And no way that he was going to beat James Harden. Like, those four just have a track record, a resume, that he just simply can't compare to. And I think we felt pretty confident about that. So that knocks out that portion and then the next spot is his or Anthony Davis's. And I do think that is where things get interesting. Um, and I am curious. To me, it's the extra year with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has another year in the league. That means his game is a little bit more refined. And he he has learned a few more things and you know, maybe scoring is a little bit easier for him. But ultimately, the, the comparison's difficult to me because those two guys, Giannis and AD, don't play the same position. And I think that is what makes this so difficult. And to me, gives Giannis a, a little bit of an edge just because he is someone that's a little bit more in control of the ball. But when you watch that Pelicans team, they've really found a nice way they found a number of nice ways to get Anthony Davis the ball. They they found a number of 
ways to get him alley-oops. The number of alley-oops he gets is just ridiculous compared to Giannis. Uh, they found ways to get him to come off screens to find shots that he likes. Uh, and when I say shots, I mean like jump shots, like elbow jump shots um, or, or, you know, face-up opportunities. And that isn't something that the Bucks have gotten for Giannis quite a bit. But part of the reason they haven't gotten that for Giannis is because he has the ball in his hands. And he's able to bring the ball up the floor. He's able to create. And those are things that Anthony Davis doesn't do. So uh, the difficulty to me comes in how you try to grade out those different things because they can both be very valuable uh, to their teams. They're just going to be used in different ways. And to me, ultimately, I just thought it was, you know, the fact that the Bucks had the turmoil that they did last year while – with the Pelicans, it was kind of a year where they put everything together. Drew Holiday obviously had a huge season. Anthony Davis had a big year. And before Bo- Boogie Cousins got hurt, he was having a good year. And I just think the they were kind of prope- – I think Anthony Davis was propelled to the fifth spot because of everything that happened once Boogie got hurt. Because once Boogie got hurt, it became his team. They ran everything through him. They tried to find a way to get him involved all the time. And it just became his team. And I, I think we got to see some more of what he can do as the lead guy as opposed to, you know, part of a, a two-headed monster. And I think all of that, kind plus, you know, being a year older than Giannis, I think all of that leads to him being above Giannis. But... When watching uh, Ben Golliver had tweeted out, or I shouldn't say tw- he tweeted out the link to it, and also tweeted out uh, the graph that is what everything is based on. But the one interesting thing that they showed was everyone's trip and, and uh, trips probably not the road, everyone's path to where they were in the top ten and why it was interesting was you know you look at everyone in the top 10 everyone in the top 10 except Embiid found their way into the the top 100 at some point right after their rookie season so they don't let they don't like they don't allow rookies on this list and they've only been making the list for a certain amount of years. So, you know, like a guy like LeBron won't be there. A guy like KD won't be there. Um, but when you look at these other guys on the list, like they were they were there. And they, they had their spot because of a certain amount of pedigree, a certain amount of play during their rookie year, um, a certain ability to, you know, find their way onto the floor. And there were two guys in the top one hundred or in the top ten that didn't have that. One was Joel Embiid, and with Embiid, I think it's obvious. You know, when you look at him, he had the injuries, and you know, could you actually trust him? Was he going to be on the floor? All those things. So he didn't have that. And then Giannis. And when you try to when you try to think through the path that Giannis has taken. I think Embiid is a helpful uh, model. And model's not the right word, but a helpful parallel because those two guys were both thrown into basketball at an advanced age. 
both those guys started basketball late. They weren't basketball lifers. They were guys that were doing other things and then kind of got thrown into basketball. And they've been trying to – they had a late start on organized basketball. And it's just crazy to think that Giannis made his first appearance on this list in 2016. Then 2017, he was 48th. 2018 last year he was ninth and this year he appears sixth on the list and it it's just such a meteoric rise and that shouldn't necessarily come as a surprise to anyone knowing Giannis's path but what becomes interesting is so he's behind Anthony Davis by a year or so and when you think about Anthony Davis you you think of a top overall pick. You think of his insane year at Kentucky. You think of all of the things that led him to where he is make a lot of sense. He, he was supposed to be this guy. When he was drafted, he was viewed as, uh, I think, like a Tim Duncan kind of comp. Like, everyone thought, like, this is... You got the number one pick, and you're actually getting a superstar. That's not always the case. You can get the number one pick, and you can get Andrew Bogut. But in this scenario, you got the number one pick, you get Anthony Davis, and you're going to have a great player. And with Giannis, that didn't happen. And it's it's sort of weird to think that in some ways, you see Giannis move from 9 to 6 in the rankings. And... I've always said this, that, you know, once you get to the very tippy top of of the league, it is harder to make large jumps because you're you're focusing more on more specific skills and more specific ways to improve when, you know, if you're the project that Giannis was when he first got in the league, there's a million ways for him to improve. He, he could have gotten much better in a bunch of different ways and... You know, maybe it happened and he ended up being a superstar, or maybe he just got a little bit better and became a role player, or maybe he got quite a bit better and became like a, a secondary kind of star. And a number of those things hit, and now we're at a spot where, you know, maybe there's not these huge jumps year over year, but maybe there are still some big jumps. Giannis is just 23 years old, and I guess something that and this is something that has bothered me throughout the entire offseason, is that when people talk about Joel Embiid, they talk about how much better he can get and how much potential he has. And I don't disagree with any of it because it's obvious. When you watch him play, you can tell, yeah, there is an insane amount of growth that this young man can still have as a basketball player. But the reason you feel that way is because his flaws are, are obvious. It, when, you, when you think about Joel Embiid, you're thinking about you know sanding down some rough spots. He, he's viewed as a shooter. But he's viewed as a shooter because at the moment he just shoots all the time. So in your head, you're thinking, oh, he can already shoot let's take away the bad shots and then you know he's going to become even more efficient and even better shooter and i get that 
and you think about Joel Embiid, and oh man, he's not, he hasn't been able to stay on the floor. Just imagine if he stays on the floor, think how dominant he can be. And again, I, I get that. It, it makes sense. But having flaws doesn't necessarily mean you can improve more. It's kind of a similar argument that you know we end up having with young players that aren't working out for whatever reason. So you know over the years, you have a guy like Rashad Vaughn, you have a guy like DJ Wilson, whatever it is, young guys, and you're thinking, well, you know they didn't do any of these things. Well, if they just figure out how to do one of those things, you know they could be a player. Think about how young they are. Think about how much they can improve, and. I don't know, it's just an, an interesting thing that because Giannis has actually smoothed out a number of those edges, he has found a way to become an insanely efficient basketball player. It feels like there's some belief that that caps his potential. That because there isn't an easy fix outside of the jumper. And I understand the jumper, and if he gets it, Obviously, that's going to really open some doors. Um, but at the same time, like if Giannis improves as a playmaker by 10%, like if he's 10% better of a playmaker next year, that's an MVP. That That's James Harden. That, that's a system onto yourself. Like if, if all of these things improve just slightly he can be an even more transformative player than he is today and get himself up to that next rung. And that's just... I guess the thing I struggle with is that the the flaws aren't super, super obvious. So you're not thinking to yourself, okay, yep, the, if, he, if he's able to do this, he's able to do that, you know, he's a little rough around the edges. Like, think about how rough around the edges he was and think about how talented and skilled and hardworking it means this player is that Giannis could go to the very blank canvas that he was in his rookie year, I mean, even in his second year, to the extremely complete player that he is now. Like, if he's capable of that, what is to say that he has somehow capped out who he is or that he somehow can't continue to become an even better basketball player that puts him in uh you know a, a pantheon of very special basketball players like th- those things are still possible because he is still incredibly young and he still has a number of things to work on and i don't know it, it is to me it's interesting that because he is not as rough around the edges as a guy like Joel Embiid he's younger than Joel Embiid let's not forget that but because he isn't as rough around the edges, because he isn't taking bad shots, because he doesn't have injury problems, because he doesn't have uh, you know, conditioning problems or, or whatever it may be for Joel Embiid, like all of those fixes can seem very easy, but also they're significant. Those are significant problems. Like, do you get all of the good stuff from Joel Embiid offensively if he can't take bad shots anymore? I don't know, because that would be some sort of mindset change. That would be some sort of attitude change. Uh, so you have to kind of think through these things. And to me, there's just a, a level of projection that goes into Embiid that, to me at least, 
doesn't seem to go into Giannis. That, you know, well, he's already one of the best players in the world. You know, what more can he really do in all these other aspects? Like, it's it's pretty much just he gets a jumper. He'll be one of the best players in the league. He could be one of the best players uh, to ever play for the Bucks. He could be one of the best. Pl- he could be a Hall of Famer, like if he gets a jump shot. But also, like, I just think that that undersells all the other ways that he could become an even more special player. And uh, I, I don't know. It, it's it's something that I think is very difficult to think about because it requires you to look past the very obvious thing and look at all of the smaller ways that he could become a much better player. And to me, as I've mentioned on the podcast a couple times when I've done solo pods, is that to me, that's how he does really become a special player. Like if he is 10% better of a playmaker this year, if he is 10% better defensively this year, like if he is all of these other things, and to me, those are always the things that Giannis works on, is finding a way to become a more complete player. If he does all those things, that can very well be what takes him to that next level as opposed to, well, can he ever figure out his jumper? I'm not going to lie, it is difficult to you know focus on those other smaller things when the bigger thing is sitting there in front of you, but I, I don't know. I just always find myself coming back to that, and I think it's going to be really fun to watch Giannis this year and, and see if he can improve on some of those things because I think there's been teases of all of those things. We've seen some of those, you know, cross-court passes where he jumps in the air and whips a cross-quarter out to a three for Bledsoe or Delhi or whatever. We've seen some of those offhand, one-hand, understanding the step after the step. That's going to get an open corner three. Like, we've seen hints of those things, but we haven't seen them all the time. And, you know, if he adds some of those things, you're looking at someone that I don't like. I don't like saying can have a LeBron type impact, but that that would certainly be what it would be. So um, I think it's going to be a fun season. I think there's a lot to think about, but that's just kind of what I've been thinking about with Giannis is that it's interesting to see someone so young dominate at such a level that it's difficult for people to think about him still not being in his prime because I don't think most people see 23 as the start of somebody's prime. And, the, and, and if it, and if we do, then Giannis is the first person that we view that in that way, right? Typically it's 25, 25 to 29. Those are probably going to be the prime years. And again, Great players can extend their primes in each direction. Maybe they can bump it down to 23. Maybe they can bump it up to 33. Or LeBron can just have a prime for his whole career. All those things can happen. But I do think we're still years away from LeBron, from Giannis's prime. Excuse me. And when you think about it, it's very difficult to comprehend because he is such a complete player and he has turned himself into such a star in this league at this point. So... Obviously, the sky's the limit. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, hopefully, this has been fun to listen to. But yeah, that is those are, I think, my final thoughts on the top 100 rankings from Sports Illustrated. Shout out to Ben and Rob for all of the difficult work and crazy conversations and insanity that they've put themselves through to give us this list. 
and to also give me content for the entire week. It's it's helped me think about some other things uh, that I want to discuss with all these Bucks players, and hopefully it's given you guys something to think about as well. All right, that is going to be it for us for this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Like I said, on Monday, be on the lookout for stuff from the Bucks golf outing. ESPNWisconsin.com, 540 ESPN AM in Milwaukee. Also check out the Pod Center at the end of the day there in Milwaukee as well. Also check out Bucks Golf Outing Wrap-Up Show, 6 to 7 p.m. on 540 ESPN on ESPNWisconsin.com on that Monday. So if you miss it Monday 11 to 1, catch it Monday 6 to 7 on 540 ESPN. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it and looking forward to this season. Thanks for coming along on the ride with me for today. Uh, no Frank Men. He'll be back next week. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you later.